Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cass T, where we talk about all things church related. Today, my name is Allison C. Holt, as a matter of fact, and today we are continuing our journey through the Bible here in 2024. Now, listen, we have just entered into the book of Judges, and we went over Judges, the second chapter, Judges, the fourth chapter. And now we're going to talk about Judges, the 6th chapter, and the 11th chapter. Judges, chapter 6, we're going to find out about Gideon's call. And Judges, chapter 11, we're going to talk about Jacob's vow. So, as always, we are going to read the two chapters, and then we are going to come back and summarize them. Let's get into it. We are starting at Judges the sixth chapter starting at verse one again the israelites did evil in the sight of the lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the midianites because the power of midian was so oppressive the israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs caves and strongholds my god of zion let me read that again can we um talk about that in today's world here in 2024 listen just to um, um make a disclaimer here you know the bible tells us in the book of ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against principalities powers rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness lord in high places therefore we don't fight against against men in flesh and blood like they did back in the bible days back in the old testament they fought against men flesh and blood with swords and and tools but here today here in 2024 we do not fight against men flesh and blood we fight against spirits the bible said principalities powers rulers of darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places that is what we fight against we don't fight against man we do not fight against women we fight against spirits so here and I just wanted to make that disclaimer here today. So here, the Bible tells us again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. He gave them into the hands of people. <coughs> Excuse me. Because of the power of the Midianites was so oppressive because the Midianites did so much wickedness and evil against the children of Israel. The children of Israel prepared shelters for themselves in caves. They hid in mountain cliffs. They hid in caves and they hid in strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crop all the way to Gaza or Gaza and did not spare 
a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to uh, ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. It was so bad that the Israelites were basically living in poverty. The uh, Midianites came, they took their crop, they took their uh, uh, domestic animals, they took their sheep, their uh, cows, their donkeys, they took everything and left the children of Israel in poverty, basically. And this poverty was so bad that the children of Israel, they cried out to God. And when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing, threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In other words, Gideon was uh, threshing wheat um, for food, of course, and he was hiding as he threshed the wheat. He was hiding from the Midianites. He didn't want them to see him because they would come and take it away from him. Okay, when the angel of the Lord and then the an angel came down to talk to Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? My God and Zion, is that not a question? If God is with us, why is all this calamity upon us? If God is with us, why is all this hardship upon us? If God is with us, why are these bad things happening to good people? My God from Zion. Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? when they said did not the lord bring us up out of egypt but now the lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of midian this is what gideon began to say to the angel of the lord now the lord turned to him and said go in the strength that you have and save israel out of midian's hand Am not, I am not sending you, or am I not sending you? The Lord, but Lord Gideon said, how can 
I saved Israel. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. The Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So Gideon is having this conversation with the angel. And the angel is calling him a mighty man of Bela. And I, God wants you to go and deliver your people. And Gideon is saying, why has all this come upon us? You know, I'm the least of my 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 family is the least of my tribe and i'm the least in my family how can you call me a mighty man bella why are you choosing me basically and gideon began to say if this truly god speaking to me i want you to stay right here and i'm gonna go and prepare a sacrifice unto the lord okay so gideon replied if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you I'm talking to. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in the basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said unto him, Take the meal and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock, more instructions, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord of Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abazarites. The same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd and one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the asterisk pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Ashtoreth pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the asteroid pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. Now see, God gave Gideon details of what to do to build the correct type of altar that will be built unto God himself and that the sacrifice, the second sacrifice, 
will be sacrificed accordingly or properly unto the Lord God. So because of the fear of the people, Gideon did this thing at night. So when the people woke up the next morning, they saw all that had taken place throughout the night. Now in the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the astral pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death this morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. My God from Zion, the words that came out of Joab's mouth. So they, so that day they called Gideon uh, Jerubbabel, saying, let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. Now all the Midianites and Malachites and other Eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abazarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh calling them to arms and also into Asher Zebulon and Naphtali so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, <clears throat> look, I will place a, wood, a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all around and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed in the fleece and wrung out the dew and a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be, or said to God, rather, I'm sorry. Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just another more request. One more request, allowing me one more test with the fleece. This time, basically, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground around it to be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Listen, we can, God can call us. And we can be leery of the call because of the situations and the circumstances in our life. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can feel like I, I'm not qualified to do the things that God is calling me to do. I'm the least of my family. Um, my clan, my, my uh, group is the least of my clan. Uh, or you can say in this day and time, 
I don't have the finances to do God's will, you know, to go here and there and everywhere. Well, you don't need all of that. God, if God said we must obey his command, listen to me, I am a witness. Go back and listen to the inside source. Listen to my testimony of how God called me to preach his word and I did not want to do it. I did not want to do what I'm doing right now, talking about the word of God. I did not want to do it. And the, that opened a whole door of evil and wickedness to come upon me. So go back and listen to the inside source and hear my testimony. It's very important that we realize that if God is calling us, now let me hear me and hear me clearly, because some people uh, go and God has not called them. God say many are called, but only few are chosen. Only few are going to be chosen. He calls many, and then there's some that he does not call at all, but they go on their own accord. Listen, if God is calling you, and when I say that God is going to give you many, many uh, confirmations that he is calling you, he's going to talk to you, first of all. And once he talks to you, he will use others to confirm what he has said to you so if god is calling you please be obedient to the call and go forth and do what god has called you to do and just ask the lord lord show me you know i don't know how to do what you're calling me to do just teach me lead me in the right direction uh bring forth my destiny helpers those that are to help me to walk out my destiny, bring them forth into my life that they will be teachers and 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 um, those that will guide me and show me what I am supposed to do. That is just that simple. So we want to be obedient and we want to follow after God. Now listen, we've read how at first Gideon was a little leery but he he and he also questioned the Lord and he found out that it was God himself talking to him and then even though he began to proceed forward he still wanted that assurance from God let the fleece be wet and the ground around the fleece be dry God did it let the uh, fleece be dry and let the ground around the fleece be wet and God did it. God is faithful and true. He wants us to know that it's truly him. He is the true and the living God and he is speaking to us. He is telling us, uh, thus said the Lord, he is leading and guiding us. So it's, very, it's just that simple. And that's some of the things that we can take away from Judges, the sixth chapter, the call of Gideon. Now let's go over to Judges the 11th chapter and let's see what the word of the Lord has to say to us there. Now we're going to talk about Judges 11. Let's go to Judges 11 verse 1. Let's read that. Jephthah the Gileadite excuse me was a mighty excuse me was a mighty warrior his father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance 
in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. See, Jephthah, in so many words, Jephthah's dad um, had an extramarital affair, in, in our words today, and um, bear a son. And when, there's, when the son is not the son of the actual wife, unless that son was adopted, that son does not get an inheritance from the father according to the law so the sons ran him away you are not going to get any inheritance in our family they said because you are the son of another woman so Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him some time later, when the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said. Uh, be our commander. <laughs> I'm sorry, I barely can see this now. Come, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my, my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Does that not sound familiar? When everything's going good, you don't want to have anything to do with me. But when you're in trouble, then you want me to come and help you, to assist you. He said, why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be our head over all who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, what do you have against us that you have attacked our country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah, Jephthah's messengers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from Ammon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Jephthah sent back messengers to the Ammonite king saying this is what Jephthah says Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites but when they came up out of Egypt Israel went through the desert to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying give us permission to go through your country but the king of Edom would not listen they sent also to the king of Moab and he refused so Israel stayed in Kadesh we read about this go back and listen 
to the podcast. Next, they traveled through the desert, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the for, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your country to our own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. He mustered all his men and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon to all his men into Israel and all his men into Israel's hand and they defeated them. Israel took over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. Now since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God, Chemosh, gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. You Are you better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Ariel, and surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are going, doing, wrong, doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. Now the king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Why on earth would this man say whatever comes out of my house first? It could be your wife. It could be your children. It could be whatever. Why would he say such a thing? Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hand. He devastated 20 towns from Aror to the vicinity of Minot, as far as Abel Karam. Then Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter? dancing to the sound of tambourines. She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched. 
because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. You may go, he said. And he let her go uh, for two months. She and the girls went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father and he did at, to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. From this comes the Israelite custom that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephna, the Gideonite, or the Gileonites. My Gotham Zion, isn't that horrible? Isn't that sad? But it's a custom now today. Because of her, because her father made such a vow that whatever comes out of the door to meet him when he came back from battle, that he would give it unto the sacrifice it rather unto the Lord. And it was his daughter, his one and only child. And wow, how sad is that? And she requested that her and her friends go out and mourn and weep because she would never marry prior to her death. And now that is a tradition. And I'm quite sure it is a tradition still today. But we will have to look that up to be of a surety that that tradition still stands today in 2024 which i have not done which i will do and maybe i'll put it in the description if it is a tradition or not however we have read joshua or not joshua i'm sorry judges the sixth and the eleventh chapters now let's go back to judges the sixth chapter and let us do a summary of what we have read here today judges chapter 6 and 11 they narrate the stories of gideon and jephna and it's just stories that we're reading or but we can learn any and everything that's in this bible we can learn for from it there is always something it is not in the Bible, dry long so. There is a reason why it's in the Bible. So, chapter 6 and 11 narrate the stories of Gideon and Jephthah, two of Israel's judges who led the Israelites to periods of oppression and conflict. These chapters highlight themes of faith, leadership, and the consequences of vows. When you make a vow unto the Lord, you must keep it. Now, the Israelites are oppressed by the Midianites as a punishment for their disobedience to God. The Midianites destroy crop and livestock, leaving Israel impoverished, leaving them in a state of poverty. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, who was threshing wheat and hiding, 
and calls him a mighty warrior. And King James calls him a mighty man of valor. The Lord commissions Gideon to save Israel from the Midianites. Gideon questions his ability to lead this task, citing his lowly clan status. He's just, I'm just uh, a man, basically. Uh, Gideon asks for signs to confirm God's presence and his intentions. First, he, rep he presents an offering that is consumed by fire from the rock. Later, he asks for a sign involving a fleece and wool. Once that it, once the first time that it be wet with dew while the ground is dry, and the second time while the ground will be wet while the fleece remain dry. And God granted both these signs confirming his promise to Gideon. God commands Gideon to destroy his father's altar to Baal and the Asherah pole beside him. When then building a proper altar to the Lord. Now there are evil altars and there are godly altars. So God wanted Gideon to tear down this evil altar and build a proper altar to himself. Gideon does it at night because he's fearing the people. And when the people woke the next morning, they when they discovered that the altars were torn down or destroyed and the pole, they wanted to put Gideon to death. But Gideon's father defends him, suggesting that Baal, being a god, lowercase g-o-d, to be able to defend him own self. My God from Zion. Okay, so we're going to go to chapter 11. Um, Jephthah, a, a, valiant, a valiant warrior from Gilead, is the son of a prostitute, and his half-brothers drive him away. He gathers a group of, venture, of adventurers and becomes a leader in the land of Tob. <coughs> Tob or Tob, however you want to pronounce it. When the Amorites wage war against Israel, the elders of Gilead ask Jephthah to lead them. Initially, Jephthah reminds them of their previous rejection of him, but eventually agrees to lead them after they promise to make him their head. Before going to the battle, Jephthah makes a vow to the Lord that if he gives him the victory, he will sacrifice whatever comes out of his house to meet him. Now, why on earth would he make such a vow? It's yet to be known. But he made that vow to the Lord. And the Lord um, gives him the uh, ability, the power to defeat the Ammonites. And when he, Jeff and I return, his one and only child, his daughter, comes running out of the house to meet him because of his victory. Realizing the implications of his vow, Jephthah is devastated. His daughter accepts her faith. Well, she had much faith, and um, I'm very proud of her for this. His daughter accepts her faith. But asked for two months to mourn her virginity with her friends. After this period, she returns and Jephthah fulfills his vow. Jephthah sacrifices her unto the Lord. This leads to the Israelite tradition of comm commemorating Jephthah's daughter for four days each year. Now, Judges 6 and 11 showcase the complexity of Israel's leadership 
or their leaders and their interactions with God. Gideon's story emphasizes God's patience and the signs he provides to affirm his will. While Jethna's bow or his tail warns of the dangers of rash vows, let's say. Um, we don't want to make vows rashly or make promises rashly and the tragic consequences that follows those vows. Both narratives underscore the central theme of the book of Judges. The cycles, the patterns of Israel's faithfulness, then their apostasy, then their oppression, their cry for deliverance and what God delivers his people. God is a good God, isn't he? Yes, he is. That is the story of Gideon's call and Jephna's vow. My God from Zion, let us pray. May God bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Sister Alex T, where we talk about all things church related. Remember to like, comment, follow, share. Tell your family and your friends about the podcast. Go all the way back to the beginning and 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 uh, what do they call it? Um binge listen, if you will to all the podcasts and come back up to today where we are in the book of judges year of 2024 we are journeying through the bible here at sister ellie cast i want to say that i love you and i will talk to you very very soon